Act First of The Master Builder by Henrik Ibsen. Translated by William Archer and Edmund Goss. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae. Halvard Solness. Read by Bruce Peary. Alina Solness. Read by Arielle Lipshaw. Dr. Herdal. Read by Andiminta. Knut Bruvik. Read by Lars Rolander. Ragnar Bruvik. Read by M.B. Kaya Fosli. Read by Abai. Hilda Vangel. Read by Elizabeth Klett. Narrator read by Guero. Act First. A plainly furnished workroom in the house of Halvard Solness. Folding doors on the left lead out to the hall. On the right is the door leading to the inner rooms of the house. At the back is an open door into the draftsman's office. In front, on the left, a desk with books, papers, and writing materials. Further back than the folding door, a stove. In the right-hand corner, a sofa, a table, and one or two chairs. On the table, a water bottle and glass. A smaller table with a rocking chair and armchair in front on the right. Lighted lamps with shades on the table in the draftman's office, on the table in the corner, and on the desk. In the draftsman's office sit Knut Bruvik and his son Ragnar, occupied with plans and calculations. At the desk in the outer office stands Kaya Fosli, writing in the ledger. Knut Brovik is a spare old man with white hair and beard. He wears a rather threadbare but well-brushed black coat, with spectacles, and a somewhat discolored white neckcloth. Ragnar Bruvik is a well-dressed, light-haired man in his thirties, with a slight stoop. Kaya Fosli is a slightly built girl, a little over twenty, carefully dressed and delicate-looking. She has a green shade over her eyes. All three go on working for some time in silence. Knut Bruvik rises suddenly, as if in distress, from the table, breathes heavily and laboriously as he comes forward into the doorway. Oh, no, I can't bear it much longer. Kaya, going up to him. You're feeling very ill this evening, are you not, uncle? Oh, I seem to get worse every day. Ragnar has risen and advances. You ought to go home, father. Try to get a little sleep. Go to bed, I suppose. Would you have me stifled outright? Then take a little walk. Yes, do. I'll come with you. I will not go till he comes. I am determined to have it out this evening with, uh, with him, with the chief. Oh, no, uncle. Do wait a while before doing that. Yes, better wait, father. Oh, I haven't much time for waiting. Hush. I hear him on the stairs. All three go back to their work. A short silence. 
Halvard Sulness comes in through the hall door. He is a man no longer young, but healthy and vigorous, with close-cut curly hair, dark mustache, and dark thick eyebrows. He wears a grayish-green button jacket, with an upstanding collar and broad lapels. On his head he wears a soft gray felt hat, and he has one or two light portfolios under his arm. Solness, near the door, points towards the draftsman's office, and asks in a whisper, Are they gone? No. She takes the shade off her eyes. Solness crosses the room, throws his hat on a chair, places the portfolios on the table by the sofa, and approaches the desk again. Kaya goes on writing without intermission, but seems nervous and uneasy. What is it that you are entering, Miss Fosley? Oh, it is only something that— Let me look at it, Miss Fosley. Bends over her, pretends to be looking into the ledger, and whispers, Kaya! Well? Why do you always take that shade off when I come? I look so ugly with it on. Then you don't like to look ugly, Kaya? Not for all the world. Not in your eyes. Solness strokes her hair gently. Poor, poor little Kaya. Hush! They can hear you. Solness strolls across the room to the right, turns and pauses at the door of the draftsman's office. Has anyone been here for me? Uh, yes, uh, the young couple who want a villa built, out at Lowell Strand. Oh, those two. They must wait. I am not quite clear about the plans yet. They were very anxious to have the drawings at once. Yes, of course, so they all are. They say they are longing so to get into a house of their own. Yes, yes, we know all that. And so they are content to take whatever is offered them. They get a, a roof over their heads, an address, but nothing to call a home. No, thank you. In that case, let them apply to somebody else. Tell them that the next time they call. To somebody else? Are you prepared to give up the commission? Yes, yes, yes. Devil take it if that is to be the way of it. Rather that than build away at random. Besides, I know very little about these people as yet. The people are safe enough. Ragnar knows them. He's a friend of the family. Oh, safe, safe enough. That is not at all what I mean. Good Lord, don't you understand me either? I won't have anything to do with these strangers. They may apply to whom they please, so far as I am concerned. Do you really mean that? Yes, I do for once in a way. Bruvik exchanges a glance with Ragnar, who makes a warning gesture. Then Bruvik comes into the front room. May I have a few words with you? Certainly. Just go in there for a moment, Kaya. Oh, but uncle... Do as I say, child, and shut the door after you. Kaya goes reluctantly into the draftsman's office, glances anxiously and imploringly at Solness, and shuts the door. I don't want the poor children to know how I am. Yes, you have been looking very poorly of late. It will soon be all over with me. My strength is ebbing from day to day. Won't you sit down? Thanks, may I? Solness, placing the armchair more conveniently. Here, take this chair. And now? Oh, well, you see, it's about Ragnar. That is what weighs most upon me. What is to become of him? 
of course your son will stay with me as long as ever he likes but that is just what he does not like he feels that he cannot stay here any longer why i should say he was very well off here but if he wants more money i should not mind no no it's not that but sooner or later he too must have a chance of doing something on his own account do you think that ragnar has quite enough talent to stand alone no that is just the heart-breaking part of it i have begun to have my doubts about the boy for you have never said so much as as one encouraging word about him and yet i cannot but think there must be something in him he can't be without talent well but he has learnt nothing nothing thoroughly i mean except of course to draw you had learnt little enough of the business when you were in my employment but that did not prevent you from getting to work and pushing your way up and taking the wind out of my sails mine and so many other people's yes you see circumstances favoured me you are right there everything favoured you but then how can you have the heart to let me go to my grave without having seen what ragnar is fit for and of course i'm anxious to see them married too before i go is it she who wishes it not kaya so much as ragnar he talks about it every day you must help him to get some independent work now i must see something that the lad has done do you hear hang it man you can't expect me to draw commissions down from the moon for him he has the chance of a capital commission at this very moment a big bit of work has he if you would give your consent what sort of work do you mean he he can have the building of that villa out at Lovstrand. that why i'm going to build that myself oh you don't much care about doing it don't care who dares to say that you said so yourself just now oh never mind what i say would they give ragnar the building of that villa yes you see he knows the family and then just for the fun of the thing he has made drawings and estimates and so forth are they pleased with the drawings the people who will have to live in the house yes if you would only look through them and approve of them then they would let ragnar build their home for them they were immensely pleased with this idea they thought it exceedingly original they said oh original not the old-fashioned stuff that i am in the habit of turning out it seemed to them different so it was to see ragnar that they came here whilst i was out they came to call upon you and the same time to ask whether you would mind retiring retire i in case you thought that ragnar's drawings i retire in favour of your son retire from the agreement they meant oh it comes to the same thing ha <laughs> ha so that is it is it halvard solness is to see about retiring now to make room for younger men for the very youngest perhaps he must make room 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 why good heavens there's surely room for more than one single man oh there's not so very much room to spare either but 
be that as it may i will never retire i will never give way to anybody never of my own free will never in this world will i do that bruvik rises with difficulty oh then i'm to pass out of life without any certainty without a gleam of happiness without any faith or trust in ragnar without having seen a single piece of work of his doing is that the way to be of it <sighs> don't ask more just now i must have an answer to this one question am i to pass out of life in such utter poverty you must pass out of life as best you can then be it so he goes up the room solness following him half in desperation don't you understand that i cannot help it i am what i am and i cannot change my nature no i suppose that you can't oh may i have a glass of water by all means fills a glass and hands it to him oh thanks Solness goes up and opens the door of the draftsman's office. Ragnar, you must come and take your father home. Ragnar rises quickly. He and Kaya come into the workroom. What's the matter, father? Give me your arm. Now let us go. Very well. Uh, you had better put your things on too, Kaya. Miss Fosley must stay, just for a moment. There is a letter I want written. Good night. Sleep well if you can. Good night. Bruvik and Ragnar go out by the hall door. Kaya goes to the desk. Solness stands with bent head to the right by the armchair. Is there any letter? No, of course not. Kaya. Yes. Come here at once. Yes. Nearer. What do you want with me? Is it you I have to thank for all this? No, no, don't think that. But confess now, you want to get married. Ragnar and I have been engaged for four or five years, and so... And so you think it time there were an end of it. Is not that so? Ragnar and Uncle say I must. So I suppose I shall have to give in. Kaya, don't you really care a little bit for Ragnar too? I cared very much for Ragnar once, before I came here to you. But you don't now? not in the least oh you know very well there is only one person i care for now i shall never care for anyone else yes you say that and yet you go away from me leave me alone here with everything on my hands but could i not stay with you even if ragnar no no that is quite impossible if ragnar leaves me and starts work on his own account then of course he will need you himself oh i feel as if i could not be separated from you it's quite quite impossible then be sure you get those foolish notions out of ragnar's head marry him as much as you please i mean don't let him throw up his good situation with me for then i can keep you too my dear kaya oh yes how lovely that would be if it could only be managed for i cannot get on without you you see i must have you with me every single day my god my god solness kisses her hair kaya kaya 
Kaya sinks down before him. Oh, how good you are to me! How unspeakably good you are! Get up! For goodness sake, get up! I think I hear someone. He helps her to rise. She staggers over to the desk. Mrs. Solness enters by the door on the right. She looks thin and wasted with grief, but shows traces of bygone beauty. Blonde ringlets, dressed with good taste, wholly in black, speaks somewhat slowly and in a plaintive voice. Halvard! Oh, are you there, my dear? I'm afraid I am disturbing you? Not in the least. Miss Fossley has only a short letter to write. Yes, so I see. What do you want with me, Alina? I merely wanted to tell you that Dr. Herdal is in the drawing-room. Won't you come and see him, Halvard? Hmm, is the doctor so very anxious to see me? Well, not exactly anxious. He really came to see me. But he would like to say how do you do to you at the same time. Yes, I dare say. Well, you must ask him to wait a little. Then you will come in, presently? Perhaps I will. Presently, presently, dear, in a little while. Well, now. Don't forget, Halvard. Withdraws and closes the door behind her. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I am sure Mrs. Solness thinks ill of me in some way. Oh, not in the least. Not more than usual, at any rate. But all the same, you had better go now, Kaya. Yes, yes. Now I must go. And mind you get that matter settled for me. Do you hear? Oh, if it only depended on me. I will have it settled, I say. And to-morrow, too, not a day later. If there's nothing else for it, I'm quite willing to break off the engagement. Break it off? Are you mad? Would you think of breaking it off? Yes, if necessary. For I must, I must stay here with you. I can't leave you. That is utterly, utterly impossible. But deuce take it. How about Ragnar, then? It's Ragnar that I— Is it chiefly on Ragnar's account that— that you— No, no, of course not. You don't understand me, either. Of course it is you I want to keep, you above everything, Kaya. But for that very reason you must prevent Ragnar, too, from throwing up his situation. There, there, now go home. Yes, yes. Good night, then. Good night. Oh, stop a moment. Are Ragnar's drawings in there? I did not see him take them with him. Then just go and find them for me. I might perhaps glance over them after all. Oh, yes, please do. For your sake, Kaya, dear. Now let me have them at once, please. Kaya hurries into the draftsman's office, searches anxiously in the table drawer, finds a portfolio, and brings it with her. Here are all the drawings. Good. Put them down there on the table. Good night, then. And please, please think kindly of me. Oh, that I always do. Good night, my dear little Kaya. Go, go now. Mrs. Solness and Dr. Herdal enter by the door on the right. He is a stoutish elderly man, with a round, good-humoured face, clean-shaven, with thin, light hair, and gold spectacles. Halvard, I cannot keep the doctor any longer. Well, then, come in here. Have you finished the letter already, Miss Fosley? The letter? Yes, it was quite a short one. It must have been very short. You may go now, Miss Fosley, and please come in good time tomorrow morning. I will be sure to. Good night, Mr. Solness. She goes out by the hall door. Are you in a hurry, doctor? No, not at all. 
May I have a little chat with you? With the greatest of pleasure. Then let us sit down. He motions the doctor to take the rocking chair and sits down himself in the armchair. Tell me, did you notice anything odd about Alina? Do you mean just now, when she was here? Yes, in her manner to me. Did you notice anything? <laughs> well, one couldn't well avoid noticing that your wife, um, that your wife is not particularly fond of this Miss Fussley. Is that all? I have noticed that myself. And I must say I am scarcely surprised at it. At what? That she should not exactly approve of your seeing so much of another woman, all day and every day. No, no, I suppose you are right there, and Alina too. But it's impossible to make any change. Could you not engage a clerk? The first man that came to hand? No, thank you, that would never do for me. But now, if your wife— Suppose, with her delicate health, all this tries her too much. Even then, I might almost say, it can make no difference. I must keep Kaya Fosley. No one else could fill her place. No one else? No, no one. Uh, now, listen to me, my dear Mr. Solness. May I ask you a question, quite between ourselves? By all means. Women, you see, in certain matters— they have a deucedly keen intuition. They have, indeed. There is not the least doubt of that. But— Well, tell me now. If your wife can't endure this Kaya Fosley— Well, what then? May she not have just— uh, just the least little bit of reason for this instinctive dislike? Oh-ho! Uh, now, don't be offended, but hasn't she? No. No reason of any sort? No other than her own suspicious nature. I know you have known a good many women in your time. Yes, I have. And have been a good deal taken with some of them, too. Oh, yes, I don't deny it. But as regards Miss Fosley, then, there is nothing of that sort in this case? No, nothing at all, on my side. But on her side? I don't think you have any right to ask that question, doctor. Well, you know, we were discussing your wife's intuition. So we were. And for that matter, Alina's intuition, as you call it, in a certain sense it has not been so far astray. Ah, there we have it. Dr. Herdal, I am going to tell you a strange story, if you care to listen to it. I like listening to strange stories. Very well, then. I dare say you recollect that I took Knut Brovik and his son into my employment after the old man's business had gone to the dogs. Yes, so I have understood. You see, they really are clever fellows, those two. Each of them has talent in his own way. But then the son took it into his head to get engaged, and the next thing, of course, was that he wanted to get married and begin to build on his own account. That is the way with all these young people. Well, yes, they have a bad habit of wanting to marry. Just so. But, of course, that did not suit my plans, for I needed Ragnar myself, and the old man, too. He is exceedingly good at calculating bearing strains and cubic contents, and all that sort of devilry, you know. Oh, yes, no doubt that's indispensable. Yes, it is. But Ragnar was absolutely bent on setting to work for himself. He would hear of nothing else. But he has stayed with you all the same. Yes, I'll tell you how that came about. One day this girl, Kaya Fosley, came to see them on some errand or other. 
she had never been here before and when i saw how utterly infatuated they were with each other the thought occurred to me if i could only get her into the office here then perhaps ragnar too would stay where he is that was not at all a bad idea yes but at the time i did not breathe a word of what was in my mind i merely stood and looked at her and kept on wishing intently that i could have her here then i talked to her a little in a friendly way about one thing and another and then she went away well well then next day pretty late in the evening when old brovik and ragnar had gone home she came here again and behaved as if i had made an arrangement with her an arrangement what about about the very thing my mind had been fixed on but i hadn't said one single word about it that was most extraordinary yes was it not and now she wanted to know what she was to do here whether she could begin the very next morning and so forth don't you think she did it in order to be with her sweetheart that was what occurred to me at first but no that was not it she seemed to drift quite away from him when once she had come here to me she drifted over to you then yes entirely if i happen to look at her when her back is turned i can tell that she feels it she quivers and trembles the moment i come near her what do you think of that hmm. well that's not very hard to explain well but what about the other thing that she believed i had said to her what i had only wished and willed silently inwardly to myself what do you say to that can you explain that dr herdal no i won't undertake to do that i felt sure you would not and so i have never cared to talk about it till now but it's a cursed nuisance to me in the long run you understand here have i got to go on day after day pretending and it's a shame to treat her so too poor girl but i cannot do anything else for if she runs away from me then ragnar will be off too and you have not told your wife the rights of this story no then why on earth don't you because i seem to find a sort of of salutary self-torture in allowing alina to do me an injustice I i don't in the least understand what you mean well you see it is like paying off a little bit of a huge immeasurable debt to your wife yes and that always helps to relieve one's mind a little one can breathe more freely for a while you understand no goodness knows i don't understand at all well 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 then we won't talk any more about it i suppose you think you have drawn me out nicely now doctor drawn you out again i have not the faintest notion of what you mean mr solness oh come out with it i have seen it quite clearly you know what have you seen that you have been quietly keeping an eye upon me that i have and why in all the world should i do that because you think that i well devil take it you think the same of me as alina does and what does she think about you she has begun to think that i am that i am ill ill she has never hinted at such a thing to me why what can she think is the matter with you alina has made up her mind that i am mad that is what she thinks why my dear fellow yes on my soul she does 
i tell you it is so and she has got you to think the same oh i can assure you doctor i see it in your face as clearly as possible you don't take me in so easily i can tell you never mr solness never has such a thought entered my mind really has it not oh never nor your wife's mind either i'm convinced i could almost swear to that well i wouldn't advise you to for in a certain sense you see perhaps perhaps she's not so far wrong in thinking something of the kind oh come now i really must say well well my dear doctor don't let us discuss this any further we had better agree to differ but look here now doctor <laughs> well since you don't believe that i am ill and crazy and mad and so forth what then then i dare say you fancy that i am an extremely happy man is that mere fancy <laughs> no no of course not heaven forbid only think to be solness the master-builder holiver solness what could be more delightful yes i must say it seems to me you have had the luck on your side to an astounding degree so i have i can't complain on that score first of all that grim old robber's castle was burnt down for you and that was certainly a great piece of luck it was the home of elena's family remember that yes it must have been a great grief to her she has not got over it to this day not in all these twelve or thirteen years but you yourself you rose upon the ruins you began as a poor boy from a country village and now you are at the head of your profession oh yes mr solness you have undoubtedly had the luck on your side yes but that is just what makes me so horribly afraid afraid because you have had the luck on your side it terrifies me terrifies me every hour of the day for sooner or later the luck must turn you see oh nonsense what should make the luck turn the younger generation poor the younger generation you're not laid on the shelf yet i should hope oh no your position here is probably firmer now than it has ever been the luck will turn i know it i feel the day approaching some one or other will take it into his head to say give me a chance and then all the rest will come clamouring after him and shake their fists at me and shout make room make room yes just you see doctor presently the younger generation will come knocking at my door well and what if they do what if they do then there's an end of halvard solness there is a knock at the door on the left what's that did you not hear something someone is knocking at the door come in hilda von gell enters by the hall door she is of middle height supple and delicately built somewhat sunburnt dressed in a tourist costume with skirt caught up for walking a sailor's collar open at the throat and a small sailor hat on her head knapsack on back plaid in strap and alpenstock hilda goes straight up to solness her eyes sparkling with happiness good evening good evening <laughs> i almost believe you don't recognize me no i must admit that just for the moment but i recognize you my dear young lady oh is it you that of course it is we met at one of the mountain stations this summer 
What became of the other ladies? Oh, they went westward. They didn't much like all the fun we used to have in the evenings. No, I believe they didn't. And I'm afraid it can't be denied that you flirted a little with us. Well, that was better fun than to sit there knitting stockings with all those old women. <laughs> there I entirely agree with you. Have you come to town this evening? Yes, I have just arrived. Quite alone, Miss Vangel? Oh, yes. Vangel? Is your name Vangel? <laughs> yes, of course it is. Then you must be a daughter of the district doctor up at Lusenger. <laughs> yes, who else's daughter should I be? Oh, then I suppose we met up there that summer when I was building a tower on the old church. Yes, of course it was then we met. Well, that is a long time ago. It is exactly ten years. You must have been a mere child then, I should think. Well, I was twelve or thirteen. Is this the first time you've ever been up to town, Miss Hangel? Yes, it is indeed. And you don't know anyone here? Nobody but you. And, of course, your wife. So you know her, too? Only a little. We spent a few days together at the sanatorium. Ah, up there. She said I might come and pay her a visit if ever I came up to town. Not that that was necessary. Odd that she should never have mentioned it. Hilda puts her stick down by the stove, takes off the knapsack, and lays it and the plaid on the sofa. Dr. Herdal offers to help her. Solness stands and gazes at her. Well, now I must ask you to let me stay the night here. I am sure there will be no difficulty about that. <laughs> For I have no other clothes than those I stand in, except a change of linen in my knapsack. And that has got to go to the wash, for it's very dirty. Oh, yes, that can be managed. Now I'll just let my wife know. Meanwhile, I will go and see my patient. Yes, do, and come again later on. Oh, that I will, you may be very certain. <laughs> so your prediction has come true, Mr. Solness. How so? The younger generation did come knocking at your door. Yes, but in a very different way from what I meant. Very different, yes, that's undeniable. He goes out by the hall door. Solness opens the door on the right and speaks into the side room. Alina, will you come in here, please? Here is a friend of yours, Miss Vangel. Who do you say it is? Oh, is it you, Miss Vangel? Miss Vangel has this moment arrived, and she would like to stay the night here? Here with us? Oh, yes, certainly. Till she can get her things a little in order, you know. I will do the best I can for you. It's no more than my duty. I suppose your trunk is coming on later. I have no trunk. Well, it will be all right, I dare say. In the meantime, you must excuse my leaving you here with my husband until I can get a room made a little more comfortable for you. Can we not give her one of the nurseries? They are all ready as it is. Oh, yes. There we have room and to spare. Sit down now, and rest a little. Hilda, with her hands behind her back, strolls about the room and looks at various objects. Solness stands in front, beside the table, also with his hands behind his back, and follows her with his eyes. Have you several nurseries? There are three nurseries in the house. That's a lot. Then I suppose you have a great many children. No, we have no child. But now you can be the child here for the time being. For tonight, yes. I shall not cry. 
I mean to sleep as sound as a stone. Yes, you must be very tired, I should think. Oh, no. But all the same, it's so delicious to lie and dream. Do you dream much of nights? Oh, yes, almost always. What do you dream about most? I shan't tell you to-night. Another time, perhaps. She again strolls about the room, stops at the desk, and turns over the books and papers a little. Are you searching for anything? No, I'm merely looking at all these things. Perhaps I mustn't? Oh, by all means. Is it you that writes in this great ledger? No, it's my bookkeeper. Is it a woman? Yes. One you employ here in your office? Yes. Is she married? No, she is single. Oh, indeed. But I believe she is soon going to be married. That's a good thing for her. But not such a good thing for me, for then I shall have nobody to help me. Can't you get hold of someone else who will do just as well? Perhaps you would stay here and, and write in the ledger. Yes, I dare say. <laughs> no, thank you. Nothing of that sort for me. She again strolls across the room and sits down on the rocking chair. Solness, too, goes to the table. For there must surely be plenty of other things to be done here. Don't you think so, too? Of course. First of all, I suppose you want to make a round of the shops and get yourself up in the height of fashion? No, I think I shall let that alone. Indeed. For you must know I have run through all my money. <laughs> Neither trunk nor money, then. Neither one nor the other. But never mind, it doesn't matter now. Come now, I like you for that. Only for that? For that, among other things sits in the armchair. Is your father alive still? Yes, father's alive. Perhaps you are thinking of studying here. No, that hadn't occurred to me. But I suppose you will be staying for some time? That must depend upon circumstances. She sits a while, rocking herself and looking at him, half seriously, half with a suppressed smile. Then she takes off her hat and puts it on the table in front of her. Mr. Solness. Well? Have you a very bad memory? A bad memory? No, not that I am aware of. Then have you nothing to say to me about what happened up there? Up at Lusinger? Why, it was nothing much to talk about, it seems to me. How can you sit there and say such things? Well, then you talk to me about it. When the tower was finished, we had grand doings in the town. Yes, I shall not easily forget that day. Will you not? That comes well from you. Comes well? There was music in the churchyard, and many, many hundreds of people. We schoolgirls were dressed in white, and we all carried flags. Ah, yes, those flags. I can tell you I remember them. Then you climbed right up the scaffolding, straight to the very top, and you had a great wreath with you, and you hung that wreath right away up on the weather vane. I always did that in those days, and it is an old custom. Oh, it was so wonderfully thrilling to stand below and look up at you. Fancy if he should fall over. He, the master builder himself. Yes, 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 that might very well have happened, too. 
for one of those white-frocked little devils she went on in such a way and screamed up at me so hurrah for master builder solness yes and waved and flourished with her flag so that i so that it almost made me giddy to look at it that little devil that was i i am sure of that now it must have been you oh it was so gloriously thrilling i could not have believed there was a builder in the whole world that could build such a tremendously high tower and then that you yourself should stand at the very top of it as large as life and that you should not be the least bit dizzy it was that above everything that made one made one dizzy to think of how could you be so certain that i was not no indeed oh no i knew that instinctively for if you had been you could never have stood up there and sung sung did i sing yes i should think you did i have never sung a note in my life yes indeed you sang then it sounded like harps in the air this is very strange all this but then it was after that that the real thing happened the real thing yes i surely don't need to remind you of that oh yes do remind me a little of that too don't you remember that a great dinner was given in your honour at the club yes to be sure it must have been the same afternoon for i left the place the next morning and from the club you were invited to come round to our house to supper quite right miss wangel it is wonderful how all these trifles have impressed themselves on your mind <gasps> trifles i like that perhaps it was a trifle too that i was alone in the room when you came in were you alone you didn't call me a little devil then no i suppose i did not you said i was lovely in my white dress and that i looked like a little princess i have no doubt you did miss wangel and besides i was feeling so buoyant and free that day and then you said that when i grew up i should be your princess dear dear did i say that too yes you did and when i asked how long i should have to wait you said that you would come again in ten years like a troll and carry me off to spain or some such place and you promised you would buy me a kingdom there yes after a good dinner one doesn't haggle about the halfpence but did i really say all that <laughs> yes and you told me too what the kingdom was to be called well what was it it was to be called the kingdom of orangia you said well that was an appetizing name no i didn't like it a bit for it seemed as though you wanted to make a game of me i am sure that cannot have been my intention no i should hope not considering what you did next what in the world did i do next well that's the finishing touch if you have forgotten that too i should have thought no one could help remembering such a thing as that yes yes just give me a hint and then perhaps well you came and kissed me mr solness i did yes indeed you did you took me in both your arms and bent my head back and kissed me 
many times now really my dear miss wangel you surely cannot mean to deny it yes i do i deny it altogether oh indeed she turns and goes slowly up to the stove where she remains standing motionless her face averted from him her hands behind her back solness goes cautiously up behind her miss wangel hilda is silent and does not move don't stand there like a statue you must have dreamt all this lays his hand on her arm now just listen hilda makes an impatient movement with her arm or wait a moment there is something under all this you may depend i must have thought all that i must have wished it have willed it have longed to do it and then may not that be the explanation oh very well deuce take it all then i did do it i suppose then you admit it now yes whatever you like you came and put your arms round me oh yes and bent my head back very far back and kissed me yes i did many times as many as ever you like well you see i got it out of you at last yes just think of my forgetting such a thing as that oh you have kissed so many people in your time i suppose no you mustn't think that of me hilda seats herself in the armchair solness stands and leans against the rocking-chair looks observantly at her miss wangel yes how was it now what came of all this between us two why nothing more came of it you know that quite well for then the other guests came in and then bah quite so the others came in to think of my forgetting that too oh you haven't really forgotten anything you were only a little ashamed of it all i am sure one doesn't forget things of that kind no one would suppose not perhaps you have even forgotten what day it was what day yes on what day did you hang the wreath on the tower well tell me at once hmm, i confess i have forgotten the particular day i only know it was ten years ago some time in the autumn it was ten years ago on the nineteenth of september yes it must have been about that time fancy your remembering that too but wait a moment yes it's the nineteenth of september to-day yes it is and the ten years are gone and you didn't come as you had promised me promised you threatened i suppose you mean i don't think there was any sort of threat in that well then a little bit of fun was that all you wanted to make fun of me well or to have a little joke with you upon my soul i don't recollect but it must have been something of that kind for you were a mere child then oh perhaps i wasn't quite such a child either not such a mere chit as you imagine did you really and seriously expect me to come again yes indeed i did expect that of you that i should come back to your home and take you away with me just like a troll yes and make a princess of you that's what you promised and give you a kingdom as well why not of course it need not have been an actual everyday sort of a kingdom but something else just as good yes 
at least as good. I thought if you could build the highest church towers in the world, you could surely manage to raise a kingdom of one sort or another as well. I can't quite make you out, Miss Wangel. Can you not? To me it seems all so simple. No, I can't make up my mind whether you mean all you say, or are simply having a joke with me. Making fun of you, perhaps? I, too. Yes, exactly. Making fun of both of us. Is it long since you found out that I was married? I have known it all along. Why do you ask me that? Oh, well, it just occurred to me. What have you come for? I want my kingdom. The time is up. <laughs> what a girl you are. Out with my kingdom, Mr. Solness. The kingdom on the table. Now, seriously speaking, what have you come for? What do you really want to do here? Oh, first of all, I want to go round and look at all the things that you have built. That will give you plenty of exercise. Yes, I know you have built a tremendous lot. I have indeed, especially of late years. Many church towers among the rest. Immensely high ones. No, I build no more church towers now, nor churches either. What do you build, then? Homes for human beings. Couldn't you build a little, a little bit of a church tower over those homes as well? What do you mean by that? I mean something that points, points up into the free air, with the vane at a dizzy height. Strange that you should say that, for that is just what I am most anxious to do. Well, why don't you do it, then? No, the people will not have it. Fancy they're not wanting it. But now I am building a new home for myself, just opposite here. For yourself? Yes, it is almost finished, and on that there is a tower. A high tower? Yes. Very high? No doubt people will say it is too high, too high for a dwelling-house. I'll go out to look at that tower first thing tomorrow morning. Tell me, Miss Wangel, what is your name? Your Christian name, I mean. <laughs> Why, Hilda, of course. Hilda, indeed. Don't you remember that? You called me Hilda yourself, that day when you misbehaved. Did I really? But then you said, Little Hilda, and I didn't like that. Oh, you didn't like that, Miss Hilda. No, not at such a time as that. But Princess Hilda, that will sound very well, I think. Very well indeed. Princess Hilda of, of what was to be the name of the kingdom? Pooh! I won't have anything to do with that stupid kingdom. I have set my heart upon quite a different one. Isn't it strange? The more I think of it now, the more it seems to me as though I had gone about all these years torturing myself with... <sighs> with what? With the effort to recover something, some experience which I seem to have forgotten. But I never had the least inkling of what it could be. You should have tied a knot in your pocket-handkerchief, Mr. Solness. In that case I should simply have had to go racking my brains to discover what the knot could mean. Oh, yes. I suppose there are trolls of that kind in the world, too. What a good thing it is that you have come to me now. Is it a good thing? For I have been so lonely here, 
i have been gazing so helplessly at it all i must tell you i have begun to be afraid of the younger generation <laughs> pooh is the younger generation something to be afraid of it is indeed and that is why i have locked and barred myself in i tell you the younger generation will one day come and thunder at my door they will break in upon me then i should say you ought to go out and open the door to the younger generation open the door yes let them come in to you on friendly terms as it were no 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 the younger generation it means retribution you see it comes as if under a new banner heralding the turn of fortune Can i be of any use to you mr solness yes you can indeed for you too come under a new banner it seems to me you marshalled against youth dr herdal comes in by the hall door what you and miss wangle here still we have had no end of things to talk about both old and new have you really oh it has been the greatest fun for mr solness he has such a miraculous memory all the least little details he remembers instantly mrs solness enters by the door on the right well miss wangle your room is quite ready for you now oh how kind you are to me the nursery yes the middle one but first let us go in to supper hilda shall sleep in the nursery she shall hilda yes miss wangle's name is hilda i knew her when she was a child did you really halvard well shall we go she takes dr herdal's arm and goes out with him to the right hilda has meanwhile been collecting her travelling things is it true what you said can i be of use to you you are the very being i have needed most oh, but then great heavens what then i have my kingdom hilda almost i was going to say she goes out to the right solness follows her end of act first of the master builder by henrik ibsen